If you have your Bibles, open them with me to Esther chapter 4. Then Esther spoke to Hathach and commanded him to go to Mordecai and say, All the king's servants and the people of the king's provinces know that if any man or woman goes to the king inside the inner court without being called, there is but one law to be put to, put to death. Esther was a, a, a young lady who had been placed in the king's harem, if you will. And uh, she was a Jewish young lady. And a power, a man with a hatred for the Jewish people had risen up in influence and had moved upon the king to kill the Jews. And now her uncle's telling her, you've got to say something. And she's saying, you've, you've got to know if I go and I'm not called for, here's what the penalty is. Uh, <clears throat> Except to the one to whom the, to whom the king holds out the golden scepter so that he may live. But as for me, I've not been called to come to the king these 30 days. And they told Mordecai, this is the uncle, what Esther had said. Then Mordecai told them to reply to Esther, Do not think to yourself, that in the king's palace you will escape any more than all the other Jews. For if you keep silent at this time, relief and deliverance will rise for the Jews from another place. But you and your father's house will perish. And who knows whether you have not, been, whether you have not come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Then Esther told, told them to reply to Mordecai, Go gather all the Jews to be found in Susa and hold the fast on my behalf and do not eat or drink for three days, night or day, and I and my young women will also fast as you do. Then I will go to the king, though it is against the law, and if I perish, I perish. Mordecai then went and did everything as Esther had ordered him. Father, we thank you today for uh, the revelation of your word and how you work. And we see so many lessons in this short, these short verses that teach us about our calling and our purpose, what happens when we fulfill it, what happens when we fail to fulfill it. Let us be a people who walk in the fullness of your word and the joy of your presence. And Father, with our eyes on eternity, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. We, we hear a lot today about mission, about mission statements. Companies and groups have mission statements, why they exist and what their purpose is. At Calvary, we have a, a mission. We believe it's our mission to challenge every person in central Illinois to seriously consider the claims of Christ and to support ministries around the world that do the same. That primary, that primary claim of Christ is that he's the Son of God and that there's no way to heaven except by him. That's a serious claim. That's a claim every one of us need to take seriously and decide. Do we believe that? That Jesus came to this earth as the Son of God to seek and save the lost and that no one gets to heaven 
without this born-again experience that we talked about last week when we talked about why we call ourselves Calvary. This is a serious claim. And we want everybody else, we want people to take it seriously and to think about it, and you should too. Our vision statement is that people may have life to the full. Jesus says that he came so that we can have the fullness of life, and we want to understand what that is and walk in it. But there's another challenge in Scripture that goes past mission and past vision. God gives his people a calling. Abraham had a calling. Joseph had a calling. Moses had a calling. Samuel had a calling. David had one. Jeremiah had one. James had one. John had one. Peter had one. Paul, all of them experienced the calling of God upon their life. So did Cain. So did Esau. So did Saul. And so did Judas. All to a troubling end. Calling combines mission and vision into God's personal direction for your life. How that mission and vision that God has for us plays out in your life and what you are supposed to do. Calling is a responsibility placed on us by God. It is an assignment from God about how he wants to use you to fulfill his purpose on this earth. It's the calling of God. You may have one in your home. You have one in the church. We need, it may be a calling for a need in our generation, but it is a place of purpose. And every believer has this calling of God in their life someplace. If you're a believer, if you put your faith in Christ I want you to know that that Paul says to us that we were created for good works in Christ Jesus that were created for us by God himself. Each and every one of us have this calling upon our life. So what keeps us from it? Some people miss their calling because of ignorance. They They just never think about it. They just never contemplate it, come to conclusion about what it is, and they just drift through life ignorant of what God would have them to do and what God would have for their life. Other people miss it because of selfishness. They may actually know what it is. But like Esther, when she was tempted in this scripture to say, hey, listen, if I go to the king, it's going to cost me something. In fact, it may cost me my life. There was a selfishness. There was a protection of self there. There was a a self-seeking there. And as you go through and you look at those who have failed, their calling throughout Scripture, selfishness, there's a line of selfishness that runs through all of it. A denial of wanting to give up our time or give up our resources or give up our talents or step into the thing that God has us or to be fully God's. There's some temptation of selfishness that keeps people from calling. Another part of that selfishness is just the pursuit of the trivial. People get, we get so caught up in things that really don't matter in light of eternity. 
and we pour all of our time and our effort. We try to raise our kids in a way, and we do th that if you really looked at it and you said, what is this going to matter, what I'm doing right here, right now, in the light of eternity, you'd have to go, not much. And we spend so much time and effort in this pursuit of the trivial that we never get around to the eternal. See, calling is always, always is loaded with eternal value and eternal purpose. When my first child was born, Jessica was born and placed uh, in my hands, I remember experiencing this powerful sense of calling. That my calling was to raise her to love God to serve God, and to find his will for their life. I remember that experience with every one of my children that were born, that I had a purpose in this thing that was more than the trivial things of this earth. The words of Jesus resounded in my spirit out of Matthew chapter 16 where Jesus says, For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? And what Jesus is saying is what good is it if man gets all the trivial things of this earth, all the things that are temporary in this earth, and at the end of the day his soul's not ready to stand before God. And that resonated with me with my children. What what if they became fabulous athletes or they became fabulous students or they became powerful leaders but they, didn't know, they don't know God? They don't learn how to serve him. They don't know who Jesus is in their life. All other success marks or experiences disappear in the light of that calling. I remember when... Uh, you know, when, when Tina came into our home, and many of you know our story, that we have four biological children and two children that God brought into our life on each end of those four, and Tina was the first one. She came into our home as a 15-year-old uh, young lady who had been in foster care for many, many years of her life. Then years later, Lydia would come into our life in, in, in a situation where, you know, dad wasn't existent and uh, mom wasn't around a lot. And this, this great sense that came into our home that we're called to be a dad to somebody who doesn't have a dad. We're called to be a spiritual leader to this, these young ladies that God brought into our home. One is a 15-year-old and one is a 6-year-old. That this is far more than us just supplying a place to live. And it's even far more than us just supplying a family, as important as family is. We've got to supply the direction of God and the, and the wisdom of God into their lives. So as a father, I wanted to load every action with the eternal, even the ones that seemed trivial. And if I couldn't walk away from them saying, this has become eternal then it became something I'd wanted to get away from. When I was a boy growing up, my dad uh, took me fishing a lot when I was young. He, uh, he liked to fish. Uh, I liked going places with dad. And I'm sure I probably drove him crazy while he was trying to fish. As the church demands increased on his life and as church time increased on his life, the fishing grew more scarce and eventually came to an end. 
And frankly, I didn't mind that because I, I wasn't there to fish much anyway. I was there to connect with Dad. And we found ways to connect around other things and around the church and what God had called him to do here. And, uh, and so that was fine. But when I came home from college and began to work here at the church, I began to notice that Dad wasn't taking a lot of, of free time. I, I began to think that his work time maybe was unhealthy for him, that his, the hours that he was putting in, and there was enough staff around, we could take some things off of his plate. And I began to think, he needs to do something. I began to think, what, what could he go do? And I remember back how much he loved to fish. So one day, I went out and bought him some fishing gear and uh, brought it back to the office and told him, here, you need to go fishing. And I didn't know how he'd respond to that, but I, th I thought from some of the things I was seeing in his life that he needed that break. And I'll tell you, it was the best gift I ever gave him. He took me up on that. Throughout the rest of his life, he spent a lot of time fishing. Went with a, lo went with a lot of people. And he asked, well, what does it matter now? What good was it? Well, let me, let me tell you. I, I knew, I, I watched my dad as, as he would, you know, go fishing with some relatives, and, and with a lot of men in our church. After my dad died, I heard some hilarious stories of things that happened on some of those fishing, many of those fishing trips. My dad was not only a storyteller, he was a story maker. <laughs> <clears throat> one day, one of his buddies, you got to realize these guys are now in their 70s. They're out fishing. They get caught in the rain. They hadn't brought any rain gear with them. They finally get the boat back into shore. They get it loaded. It's cold. They're soaking wet. They've got 30 miles to drive back into Springfield. And they, they know they're going to both have pneumonia by the end of the day. So what do they decide to do? Here are these two 70-year-old men, a pastor and a business owner. They strip down to their underwear, <laughs> get in the car and turn the heat up and pray that a policeman doesn't pull them over for anything <laughs> and watch to make sure they don't pull up next to a bus. <laughs> and into town they come. One of the other stories that I love to tell, that one of the guys told me was they were out fishing one day. My dad was really proud of his ability to cast with accuracy. And there was a, a duck out about... 20 or 30 yards from him, somewhere out away from him. And Dad said, watch me scare this duck. And he casts out towards that duck, wanting to land right next to it, and it fly off. And, but instead, it lands next to it, goes underwater, and wraps itself around one of these duck's legs. So now they're sitting there in this boat, and they realize if they cut the, scr the, the string, that is a dead duck. That duck's not going to live very long. So they got to land this duck. So they spend the next half hour maneuvering that boat, cautiously working that string, getting that, that duck up next to it. That duck is fighting them and pitching a fit. They finally get it up. It's been splashing in the water. They're all wet. They get that duck in the, in the boat and cut that string and unwrap it, let that duck back out in the water. It scoots about 20 yards out from them and turns and just squawks at them <laughs> like you dirty dogs. I, just, I heard so many stories uh, after my dad passed away from guys that, that, were, that spent time with my dad. Fishing, trivial stuff, but almost without exception, as I would talk to these men, they would look at me 
And they would say, you know, one day we were out. And uh, we began to talk about family. One day we were out, we began to talk about faith. There's this thing going on in my life, and your dad began to talk to me about it. We'd pray about it, sitting out on the boat. He gave me insight. He encouraged me. He challenged me. He blessed me. And I'd see these great big guys, fishermen, outdoor guys, tough guys, rough guys, look at me and say, boy, I loved your dad. I loved your dad. Why? Because he took a trivial thing and made it an eternal thing. He understood what his calling was, even when he was fishing. For the called, the trivial can become an eternal moment. Now, to get there, I want to tell you, calling has to be exercised with intent until it flows out of you by nature. I'm telling you, my dad probably never thought with any of these guys, today I'm going to talk to this guy about faith. It just says the moment came. It was the natural thing to do. I'm going to talk to this guy about his relationship with his kids. Now, he, he probably didn't think that until sitting out in the boat. All of a sudden, by nature, the trivial turns into the important. And conversations begin to have. As a church, we have something that most churches don't have. Uh, we have a baseball and softball training facility. Did you know that? We, we, we own this. It's, it's called the Hitting Center. A number of years ago, my friend uh, Bob Laurent came to me with this idea. He, he had been a part of the Hitting Center, and he came with this idea of turning it, you know, giving it to the church and turning it into ministry. And, and I'll tell you, when he sat and we talked the first time, I was a bit skeptical. What does a church need with a baseball and softball training center? But I trusted Bob. I knew Bob's heart. And I'll tell you what, it's, it's been great. The people who, who work there understand their calling. They understand that it's more than just about baseball and softball. Let me tell you one story. A young man was growing up in our community. Uh, I, I need to tell you how I got there. <laughs> Renee and my, my wife Renee and my mom, we were out to dinner a few weeks ago. And, and Sonia Jones was in the restaurant, and she was with a friend of hers. And we'd gone over and said hello to them. And afterwards, uh, they came back around, came over to the table. And Sonia says, I want to tell you uh, this mother's, I want to tell you her story. And, and afterwards, you know, I asked if I could share this story. So this is the story that was told to me that day. Is this, is this mother's son? Growing up in our community, he was a tremendous baseball player. During his senior year, I mean, he, as he'd grown up, he'd played in all sorts of traveling teams and all sorts of things, won all sorts of awards. And he had big dreams about the future. He dreamed of being a collegiate baseball player and was well on his way to achieving that dream. His whole identity was captured in this idea of being a baseball player, of, of what he could be. That all changed in a moment during the very last game of his high school baseball career. In his final at bat as a senior, this young man was hit with a fastball in the side of his face. 
it broke several bones in his face near his left eye. The injury required putting three plates and screws in his face to put everything back together. The doctors told him that possibly he would never be able to play baseball again. There would be a lot of risk and injury to further injuries. And injuries like this often are career-ending injuries. For this young man whose identity was caught up in being a baseball and whose dreams were caught up in being a baseball player, it just rocked his world. It began a downward spiral of decisions. He became discouraged. He became aimless. He became angry. He became, again, having a more and more difficult time coping with life itself. For as many of his years, his identity was found in athletics, and now that all seemed to be gone. He became so angry that one day his mother came home to realize that he had thrown all of his awards and all of his trophies and thrown them all away. He seemed lost. His motivation was gone. His choices weren't good, and he had essentially given up on baseball. He had given up on college, and in many ways it seemed like he would given up on life. It was about this time that Sonia, a friend of the mom, was, was with her when the young man came around, and she knew the story. And she invited the young man to come with her friends to the hitting center. The young man was reluctant. He didn't really want to go, but if you know Sonia, she can be a little persistent. <laughs> and finally, he agreed to go. He was not afraid of just maybe getting hurt again if he went. He was afraid of failing. But Sonia set up a time to go to the hitting center, and when, when they got there, Bob and Jackie were there. And instead of going back to the cages and instead of doing all of those things, Bob sat down with him, began to talk, and they talked for, told, several hours. But not just about baseball. Not just about the trivial. But Bob was able to talk to him about his search for identity in life and his place in life and how baseball shouldn't be. What's your identity? But who you are in Christ should be your identity. And began to breathe life into this young man. He talked to him about life and overcoming adversity and what God, and that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And out at this place, it could just be a trivial place about kids playing baseball and softball. Eternal things began to happen in this young man's life. That night, it was like this young man came back to life, her mom told us. Bob had spoken words of life to him, and this young man, she said her son was revitalized. He hadn't picked up a ball glove or a a, a ball since the day of the accident. However, that first night at the hitting center, after they had talked, he went back and began to throw a little bit and actually got in one of the hitting cages. This began a wonderful relationship with this young man and with the Lorenz and with others at the hitting center. He began to come regularly and loved his time there and formed some great relationships, and his spirit was being renewed by people speaking into his life in the name of Jesus. And I want to tell you that today, this young man is filled with new hope and new purpose. He's back playing baseball, played summer baseball this last year, and right now is, is, is playing at an NCAA Division III Christian University because, of what, because some people took the trivial and turned it into the eternal. 
When we are aware of our calling, it changes our view of our circumstances. When the guys and gals at the hitting center are aware of their calling and people come in, they know they want to help them get better at baseball. They know they want to help them get better at, at softball. But they also know they want this to be a doorway, hopefully talk to them about the eternal, to do more things. And when we understand that in life, we understand that the families God's placed us in, the places God puts us in, the places of, of, of influence that God gives us, He's not just given it for that simple reason of, of having a career. He's given that to us so that we can experience and be used in our calling and in the eternal. When you read the story in the last chapters of Genesis of Joseph, this young brother sold into slavery, put in prison. Around 13 years or more, he's either in slavery or in prison. Now think about that, folks. If you were in slavery in prison and you thought you were in the middle of God's will, wouldn't you be asking why from time to time? And I, I wonder if Joseph ever asked the question, God, why am I here? I bet he did. But I, there's a lesson to learn from Joseph's life. In his darkest hours of life, in slavery in Potiphar's house, in the prison with no hope of getting out, Joseph continued to honor God and he continued to serve others. No matter what the circumstances were, this is a great lesson. Wherever you're at, continue to honor God and continue to serve others. Then one day from the pits of Egypt's dungeon, He's raised the second highest place in Egypt, and his whole family would be blessed. Years later, the father, as they brought the whole family into Egypt, years later, the father died, and as the enemy will do, he whispered in the ears of his brothers who had sold him into slavery. The enemy whispers into their ears, Dad's gone, your protection's gone, he's going to get you now. And they came to Joseph and fell on their face, weeping before Joseph and said, we're your servants. And Joseph's statement shows the insight of the called. The people who know their eternal purpose in life. He looks at him and he says, fellas, I love you. What you meant for evil, God intended for good. We get the same message in the New Testament when Paul writes to the Romans in Romans chapter 8. He says, and we know that those who love God, for those who love God, all, all things work together for good for those who are called according to his purpose. Did you catch that last line? It's not just that we love God, but they're walking in their calling. When you love God and you're walking in your calling, God can take every set of circumstances, even if there's, there are those who mean evil against you and want to harm you, he can turn them to good. To good. I want you to catch, catch that. I'm going to ask uh, uh, Sharon to come on up and Shelly to come on up. And they're going to share something with you today. A few weeks ago while we were away, uh, Shelly ended up in, a, in the hospital for a couple of weeks with pneumonia. And, um, and while they were there, I want to just tell you 
What happens when you sense and know your calling? Yeah, uh, thank you, Pastor, for the opportunity to share. Um, as Pastor said, Shelly was in the hospital, and actually for uh, exactly 11 days, seven days of it in ICU and five days on the ventilator. A very critical double pneumonia is pneumonia in both lungs. And uh, the first morning in the ICU, I had such a strong sense of the Holy Spirit just all over me saying, you know, you can either be down and, and think about what the enemy has attacked us with, or you look around at my harvest field and you look for opportunities to, to make a difference. And we chose to be a part of God's overarching plan of redemption. So, uh, so from that point on, and one quick example, even though she is on the vent and somewhat sedated, she took uh, advantage and, and would ask me to pray when there were nurses in the room. And these are younger, young nurses. And I knew exactly this, this was a part of her heart to want those nurses to be ministered to. And it's amazing how those nurses just are respectful and they stand and kneel uh, or bow their heads and pray while you're praying or listen while you're praying. But the uh, ultimate obviously was uh, looking for opportunity to minister to somebody. And it was not until the very last uh, moments uh, before we were discharged uh, that I stepped out to see if the home care uh, gentleman with the oxygen that they were sending us home with was there and I looked at these two ladies next room outside the room crying and, and again the Holy Spirit go so I walked up with Holy Spirit's boldness there you go <laughs> I said, I don't know the circumstances. I don't mean to intrude, but um, if you would like, my wife and I would like to pray for you and for the patient uh, in the room. Uh, Shelly was in the room, and she was still not very mobile yet, So I, uh, and they accepted. So I snuck my head back in the room, honey, come. And that's all I had to say. She knew exactly because she had seen that family as she was walking down the hallway as a part of her therapy earlier. So she came right away. Uh, we walked into that room, and uh, there was a young lady, 17, 16, 17 years old, beautiful girl. Uh, and the older sister told us that she tried to commit suicide. So she's all bandaged in the neck, in the wrist, and laying in the bed. She's awake. And sister, boyfriend, and a sitter was in the room. We immediately started ministering, and, and it was a kind of a team effort, and uh, just lifted her up and told her what a beautiful young lady she was. She had a whole life ahead of her, and just ministering to her, and uh, obviously trying to give her hope. And I said that we all go through things in life, but Jesus can make a difference. And if she is willing to accept Christ, and she nodded her head, I said, I shared the Romans road which is great to share in those instances. And I said, would you like to say the salvation prayer? And she said, yes. And we were able to uh, say the prayer, not only her, her sister, the boyfriend, and the uh, sitter back in the room all repeated the salvation prayer and got gloriously saved. You know, we trust God. We do our part, and we trust that God would do his part. And... Uh, I want Shelly to quickly share with you when she went back to the pulmonologist for the follow-up, what he told her. I didn't think he was going to give me the microphone. No. <laughs> 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 
easy. <laughs> no. Uh, this has just been a journey, and we all go through our own journey in life. And uh, as I was going through this, the Lord just, uh, you know, spoke to my heart with the scripture, Jeremiah 29, 11, that, um, for I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you, not to harm you, but to give you hope in the future. So that's what I'm standing on, that I have hope in the future. Amen. Um, so I go back and do my follow-up with the uh, pulmonologist, and I know, my husband knows, you know, people around me knows uh, that I had a remarkable recovery, and um, he's he sitting down, and he goes, Shelley, do you realize the, this recovery, how remarkable it is? And I was like, yeah, I, you know, I, I'm feeling great, and he said, well, let me show you your x-rays. Here they are today, and then here they were you know, just a few days ago from the hospital, he said, Shelly, your lungs are clear. I'm like, oh, thank God, you know, thank you, Jesus, I'm thinking. And he goes emphatically, this is a miracle. And I went, amen, I know that it is. I Praise know it's God. a miracle. Um, Praise God. But it was just uh, good to hear that amen. he was, you know, saying to me and declaring that it was a miracle. So Praise God. Thank Jesus. I want to take the opportunity to thank Pastor Paul for visiting and praying. And Pastor Mark, your text, you were in Africa, was very timely. So thank you for your God bless you, love you guys. And there's prayer. Praise God. And my encouragement to the... I encourage you, my encouragement and challenge to you is to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit. There are people that are around us every day that we can just be sensitive and pray for and eventually lead them to the Lord. And the message today is, is perfect. The Romans 8.28 was actually what I wrote down to share, that we all have a call, and we just need to answer that call. Amen. Amen. Thank you, guys. You know, I, I would tell you that to keep selling your prayers. She's still facing some, some health things. God's, we're just believing God for a miracle in every place. Amen? Amen. But, but here's what I would say. You, you, you think... In the hospital with double pneumonia, if there's ever a point in time where it's okay to be selfish, that's, that could be it, right? That could be the time. I, I need to think about myself. And yet as they walked into this place, and this is, this is how God moves in our life when we're called. What can we do right here in these circumstances? Why does God place me here? Mordecai sent this message to Esther. Who knows? Who knows whether you have come into the kingdom for such a time as this? I, I want us to think about it. This is the sentiment of the Bible. We're told in Acts that the times and the places where we were to be born have been planned by God. Paul tells us again that we have been created in Christ Jesus for good works that God prepared in advance for us to do. Over these next few weeks, we're going to talk about you are and some of the things that as Christians that we are. And here's one of them I want you to really capture today. You are called of God to be a light of the world in the darkness. The more we get rid of, I'll tell you, you're going to feel happier the more you get rid of selfishness. 
If you walk around selfish looking for what, what, what is, what's in it for you and what you're going to get out of it and how much, thing, how, how much you, you're feeling bad for yourself or excited for yourself, you're going to be miserable a lot because you're not going to always get what you want. But when you go around this earth and you begin to walk around this earth saying, God, how can I serve others? What have you placed me here for? What do you want to do with me, do with me here? You're going to have miraculous moments and then you're going to be able to say what Jesus said when the disciples came out of the Samaritan village and he had been talking to the Samaritan woman and they said, uh, what's up? And he says, I, are you hungry? He says, I have meat to eat you know not of. There is fulfillment and joy in fulfilling our calling into being a person on call all the time. Being a person says, God, here I am, I'm yours. So what is your calling? What's your calling with your children? What do you really want for them? What do you really want for their eternity? And if, if they get all the things that you would write down that you want for them and they're not ready to stand before God, what good is any of it? What is your calling with your spouse? What do you really want from them and what do you really want for them? Do you sense any calling to your neighbors? Are there people around you that live around you? That, do you even know them? What's your calling? What's your calling with your coworkers? To put in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, walk away, and it all just be about what we're doing here on this earth and our time here? Or do you think that maybe you were born for such a time as this? And in our generation, what's our calling to our generation? I want to tell you, friends, calling's not something out in the future if you're a believer. Calling is now. You're never going to find the great places of calling until you, until you submit yourself and do the things of calling now. This is a great lesson of Joseph. He didn't sit in Potiphar's house bitter, angry, and frustrated and going, I'm not doing anything. I'm not cooperating with anything until God puts me in the place. He showed me in my dreams I was going to go. Esther couldn't sit there. He, she, he, she was warned by her uncle. Listen, if you don't fulfill your calling, God will raise somebody else up to fulfill it, but it's going to cost you and your family. It's going to cost you. Don't think you're going to escape. These are the principles of God that he lays out before us. That we need to see life as a people who are here to minister to the hurting, to minister to the lonely, to minister to the broken, to minister to the lost all around us. I, I want to challenge you in one thing because I, I want to tell you that you know, calling starts now and it starts today, but there's one calling that rests on every one of us in all of our lives, and that is to go into all the world and make disciples. We're all called, and all of that starts with, people, with helping people come to know who Christ is in their life. Everyone has to step into their calling. For Esther, it was going to the king and risking her life in the process. For Paul, it was, it was to turn from Judaism and to go to the Gentile world and preach the gospel. For Abraham, it was to go to a country that he knew not. For Moses, it was to go to Pharaoh's court. For Sonia, it was to go to a young man who was a friend, uh, who was a, a son of a friend, and say, come with me to the hitting center. For the Jehanshers, it was to set aside their need in a hospital room and to pray and to look for places to serve. 
Do you desire to live in your calling? Then you have to listen and act and understand, God, wherever you lead me, wherever you put me, I'm here to do your work. And ultimately, the most important thing is to answer the calling of Jesus when he says go into all the world and make disciples. To be like Jesus when Jesus said that he came to seek and save the lost. And that everyone is lost until they accept Christ into their life. You know, this year on December the 10th, I hope you write this day down, we're going to have a, a great night that night of celebrating Christmas. And, and our hope and our prayer and the challenge for you is to get your friends to come to it. It's going to be a pretty just low-key celebration night. We're going to celebrate who Jesus is that night and what he's done for us at Christmas. And then we're going to invite him back to come to some of our other stuff as well. But I want to encourage you to step into your calling. Tomorrow, the next day, let the Spirit of the Lord lead you. Let's stand together today and let's pray. Prayer teams, would you come down to the front? Father, across this room, I pray you'd help us to step into the calling that you have for us. In Jesus' name, as every head's bowed, every eye closed, if you'll just say to the Lord, Lord, I want to be a person who walks in my calling. I want to hear your voice and be used of you. We just raise your hand right now to the Lord and just say, Lord, that's me. Keep it up. I'm going I'm to pray for you while, while your hand's up. Lord, you see every hand that's up right now that we just say to you, we don't want to live for the trivial. We want to be inspired by the eternal, by what your son came to do to seek and save us, and we want to be used of you. So, Father, I just pray that today you'd challenge us and move in our hearts to be a people walking in the fullness of your will. Now, Lord, in this room today, you know if there's anyone here who's never accepted you, the work of your son in their life, who've never had the born-again experience that only comes by the power of your Spirit. Father, you know who that person is and who those people may be. Lord, we want them to know that you love them, and we know you want them to know that. And I pray that even right now, as, as they stand where they're at, Lord, that they will feel and sense this tug in their spirit to receive you in their heart. In Jesus' name. I'm going to ask everybody to pray this prayer with me this morning. And if you've never asked Christ in your life, you can just do this right now as we pray together. Everyone say this with me. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. I ask you to forgive me of my sin and to cleanse me from all unrighteousness. I receive Jesus as my Lord. I put my trust in him to be my Savior. And I ask you to help me to live for him who died for me. In Jesus' name, amen. In these next few moments, we're going to sing a song and open the altar. And if you have any need in your life, you're going through a physical need, you're going through a need for direction, whatever it might be, don't leave this place without letting somebody pray for it. We believe prayer changes things. Come down and... and and, and pray. And if you prayed that prayer today, that we just pray, asking Christ into your life, and you, you want, I want to encourage you to step out and come as well if you've never accepted Christ until today. 
and just say, you know, I prayed that prayer for the first time. Or I, I prayed that prayer this time. And I've wanted from it. I, I want to get things right with God again. And let somebody pray with you for a minute before you go. We want you to know we love you. And I want to challenge you today. Let us be a people who understand that we are called by God. You are called. Amen? We'll talk about more next week. God bless you.